Good morning. Are we doing communion before service? After, all right. Sorry, guys. I'm, it's going to be very clumsy. I usually don't do the communion, so please excuse the, the clumsiness of, uh, yeah. <clears throat> so I'm just going to talk and then give time for communion at the end. Great. Uh, let me pray real quick because I need help. Father, I thank you for this day, Pentecost Sunday, and uh, I pray that your spirit would be in this place. God, this morning we just lift up our sails in the spirit, if that's even a thing, and uh, we want to catch the wind of what you are doing, not just in the direction that you want us to go, but in the direction of who you want us to be purifying our hearts that we may obey the law of Christ, which is to love God and to love humanity. And so, Father, we open ourselves up to you, and I pray that uh, your will would be done and that let me not get in the way. Everybody said amen. So good morning. So, yeah, as you can see, we have uh, the youth are in here with us, right, too? Yay. Come on, let's celebrate the young people. Come on. Uh, so I, I love youth. I used to be a youth pastor, and I, for years I just try to, I'm trying to go legitimate, trying to get out. But uh, as they say in The Godfather, right when I think I'm out, they pull me back in. No Godfather? No, no, we don't watch that. We watch Chinese movies. Uh, and so, yeah, uh, the youth are here, which... I, had a me- I, I was supposed to preach in the youth, and I had a whole message, and I'm going to, all right. And then all of a sudden, ah, oh, you got to preach for everybody. And so the message, the, the, the content doesn't change, but the challenge is because the younger like you go, the, more, the, the goofier I have to be. And so the challenge is to find the right amount of goofiness that I can relate to the younger, and at the same time, the adults can be like, yes, yes, that was good theology. And so that's, just kidding. The goofiness is always the same. <laughs> you want to know my secret? I stay goofy. I'm just kidding. All right. Um, and so it's, uh, today is Pentecost Sunday. And so I'm going to do a Pentecostal message, which uh, is just, I love teaching on Pentecost. The church that I got saved in, the name of the actual church was Pentecostal Deliverance Church. That was the name. That is a hardcore name. The first time I heard someone speak in tongues, it wasn't... uh, Have you heard those types of tongues? Or It wasn't that. The first time I ever heard tongues was It was weird. And uh, I thought I just joined a cult. I thought they were going to pull out the poison and the snakes and dance. Some churches actually, uh, I don't know if they, they still exist, but some churches, anyways. But uh, it is Pentecost Sunday, so let's start, but, but uh, I'm going to start with Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 through 20. Don't look at the screen, because I, I didn't give this to the people I 
thought I should read it this morning, so I'm just going to read it. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 through 20, is, it is the great commission, all right? It says this, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. This is the great commission, to go into the world, preach the gospel uh, to, in every nation, in, in, to every creature, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, making disciples, and how do you make disciples? Teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. What is, so the Great Commission is this, is to preach the gospel to everyone anywhere. Everyone anywhere. Yeah. To preach the, everybody anywhere. Because I know sometimes we think, like, oh, they're not ready to hear. They're not ready. They don't, they're not ready yet, and so I'm just going to just be nice to them for now. And then when they're ready, I'll jump on them, right? That's what we think sometimes. But you guys remember the parable of the sower that sows the seed in the different types of ground? He sowed the seed on the, by the wayside. He sowed the seed on the hard ground. He sowed the seed on the ground with uh, the, the weeds that had thorns in it. And then he sowed the seeds on good ground. He planted his seed on every type of ground. He didn't ask, are you ready? He just, here, here. Ready or not, here I come, right? He planted the seed. Why? Here's, here's why. Because you don't know what ready looks like. You don't know what ready looks like. Can I tell you, three days before I got saved, I did not look ready, not one bit. I did not think I was ready. But I was ready. We don't know what ready looks like, and so we sow the seed, we preach the gospel, and whether people accept it or reject it, it's not up to you, it's up to them. Pressure off. Pressure off. We think, so, uh, you know, I mean, uh, no. We preach the gospel, whether they receive it or reject it, it's not up to you, it's up to them. We give them the choice. We don't know what ready looks like. And then it goes on to say this. Teaching, making disciples, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. How do you make a disciple? By teaching them to obey the ways and the teachings of Christ. What is a disciple? A disciple is a person who practices the things of Jesus. That is a disciple. Not a person who just goes to church. All the people in the church said, amen. Not just a person who goes to church. The person who actually does the teachings of Christ. A disciple is, is someone who is tra in training. You are doing it. You're in training. You are meditating on it. You're letting the words of Christ affect you more than the words of everyone else around you, more than the words and the, and the ways of, the, of your favorite pop star, your favorite author, your favorite university teacher, your favorite comedian, whatever, your favorite good-looking influencer, your favorite guy with abs, 
If it was only that easy, I'd get abs. If abs help me to preach the gospel better, then guess what? I'm getting abs, but it doesn't. So I'm eating all the tacos. A person who is a disciple of Christ lets the words and the teachings of Christ rule their life. Christ is our Lord and our Savior. He is our Lord. Amen? Gosh, that feels so good to say. We let him rule. We have submitted unto him. We have said, Jesus, take it all. Sir, I surrender. That is a disciple. And we are learning. We're not perfect. Thank God. But we are learning. Amen. Amen. All right. This is, what, this is the mission of the church. Preach the gospel. Make disciples. Making a disciple, it's a lifelong process. I am still being discipled by Christ. It's a lifelong process. This is the mission. This is, should be the mission of the church, and it should be the mission of our lives. As, as an individual, I'm preaching the gospel and whatever I do, and I'm making disciples. As the church, no matter, every church, uh, every church has a mission statement, right? Whether, you know, what, what is the mission statement here? To build a glorious church. You know what that really means? We preach the gospel and make disciples. Come on. That's what it really means. Every, so, you know, to make Christ known to, 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 so that people can experience the reality of God. You know, we like to, well, yes, it, it, that, though, it's all this. That should be the mission of the church. Heaven on, our mission is heaven on earth. Yes, that's just a fancy way, a flowery way of saying, preach the gospel, make disciples. And so that's the mission. But what is Pentecost about? Pentecost is about the power to do the mission. Amen? That's what is God empowering us to do the mission. That is the Holy Spirit upon us to do what he has called us to do in Power. And so today, I'm going to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, because Jesus said, go therefore. But before he said, go therefore, in Acts chapter 1, let me turn there. He said to wait. Acts chapter 1, he said to wait. I do have it in my iPad, but for some reason, when I teach this one, I like to teach it from the Holy Scriptures. This is some, it's just more holy when it comes from an actual book. Just kidding, it's not. Have you, have you guys ever been in church and you're like on, the, on your Bible on your phone and someone just looks down on you because they got a Bible, like a book Bible, anyone ever? Well, I look down on those people who look down on me. So who's looking down? I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> Acts chapter, before Jesus, Jesus told him to go, but he said, before you go, wait. He told him to go. 
But he says, I want you to go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. But before you do that, you need something. You, this is something you need. Don't go without it. Don't leave home without it. You guys remember that? Was that Visa, MasterCard? Don't leave home without it. Well, the Holy Spirit is the MasterCard of God. Just kidding. I don't know. That's cheesy. Jesus said this in Acts chapter 1. I'm going to start in verse 4. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Everybody say promise of the Father. Which you've heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Say baptized with the Holy Spirit. Say, promise of the Father. Say, baptize with the Holy Spirit. It's the same thing. You don't have to say that. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. Verse 8, but you shall receive Power, but say power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, say Holy Spirit upon you. Say baptism of the Holy Spirit. Say promise of the Father. It's the same thing. You can say it if you want. It says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So Jesus tells them, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. That is the mission. He says, go. But before he said go, he said wait. In the King James, the word is tarry which is also a name that could be male or female. But anyways, but he says, wait. He says, wait here. Don't go. He said, go, but he says, don't go. Because before you go, you need power. Because the mission that I'm going to give you, you can't do it without my power. I mean, you kind of can, but not as good. He says, there's something that you need, and that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The word there says you shall receive power, the Greek word for power. Who knows the Greek word for the power? I've been teaching it here for years. What's the Greek word for power? Someone shout it out. Ah, you listen. Dunamis. It's where we get the word dino. You listen. Who said that? Was that... Dynamite. It's explosive power. It is power to set the captives free. It is, that means that when we preach, it's not just words that fall to the ground, but we preach with power that, in, that, that sets people free from addictions, from sicknesses, from sin. It is power to change the lives of people. It is power to prove that this thing that we preach is real. It is signs and it is wonders. It is the power of God. 
We do not preach a powerless gospel. And so we need this power in order to fulfill the Great Commission. I used to teach it like this. Now, this, is a, this teaching is, can be like, well, you know, I don't, because there's people who don't believe in this, and there's people who do believe in this. I'm one who does believe in this because I have interpreted the Bible correctly. I'm sorry. <laughs> so I'm one that does believe in this. And I understand there's people who don't believe in this. Does that mean that you have to be baptized with the Holy Spirit to be a Christian? No. There's, there's people who are baptized, not baptized with the Holy and they are Christian. They're saved. My brother, my sister. Uh, does that mean that there are believers that don't have the Holy Spirit at all. No, that's not what it means because it's actually the Holy Spirit that regenerates our spirit that makes us born again. And the Bible says that we have been, the Holy Spirit has been given as a deposit inside of us. So the difference between the baptism of the Holy Spirit, there's the, the deposit inside of you, which every single born-again believer has, and then there is the Holy Spirit upon you, all over you, there is a difference. There's a difference, amen? So I'm not saying that people who don't, you know, believe in this are saved or even any less or any less worthy. That's not my thing. My thing is, if there's more of God, do you want more of God? I do. Anyways, I remember when I first got saved, and uh, as I said, when I got saved, the moment after I, I, was, I was saved, uh, I, I, most of you guys know this, I think two days or three days after I overdosed on drugs, was complete atheist. I, I was, I didn't, you, you, if you were to look at me, you would think he's the wayside ground. He's not good ground. But I think my near-death experience turned me into good ground. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes, you know, sometimes uh, an experience will turn, will change the ground that you are, right? And sometimes, sometimes uh, it's like we don't, we're not open until, not everybody, until we hit rock bottom and God says, okay, I'll just see you there. I'll see you at rock bottom. And if that's what it takes, then I thank God that he saw me at my rock bottom. But I, I got saved. I was a drug addict. And then I got saved. And right afterwards, the pastor was like, we're going to pray for you. We're going to pray so that, uh, that God will deliver you from drugs. And then they all came. And there was like, like five or seven people in there. And they laid hands on me. And all of a sudden, they started shouting in other. The first time I ever heard, shouting. And they're baptizing me in their spit. I was like, yes, Lord, I receive the baptism of spit. <laughs> just kidding. I did not receive it. In fact, I was like, this is gross and weird. What did I just join? But when they were done praying in that weird, and that was the first time, nobody warned me. People need to be warned. People need to be warned, all right? Come on. Warn them. Don't just bring them, especially if you bring them to some crazy prayer meeting. Warn them. Hey, guys, this, you know, this is what's going to happen. So just so you hear the scriptures, here are the people who prayed in tongues. Uh, here's a list of them that were in the upper room. Look, Mary, if you, if you bring a Catholic, look, Mary was there. She prayed in tongues too. Yay. Pray like Mary. You know what I'm saying? Warn them. I was unwarned. And I was like, what did I just join? I freaked out. But when they were done, you, I couldn't deny the proof that was in the pudding. When they were done, I was 
delivered. I, I was delivered from all the drugs. I was done. I, it was finished. I was done. And then so after that, I'm like, okay, maybe there's some. I asked my friend on the way home. She should have told me on the way there. But on the way home, I was like, what was that? It's like, you know, sometimes you know, the Holy Spirit gives us a prayer language, and we pray uh, a prayer language, which is we pray, we intercede the will of God over people, and it's rad. I'm like, okay. It's weird. Weird but rad. Weird but rad. And so after that, I, I remember I was like, okay, I want this power. I want the power. I want this. I want to pray like this. And I told my friend, uh, I said, hey, help me to pray like this. And they're like, well, you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I said, okay. So the next time I went for church, my pastor laid hands on me for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, I, and, and that day in church, I began to pray in tongues. Then I couldn't wait to just really, you know, couldn't wait to really go for it. But I couldn't that night because I had a friend spending the night. And I didn't want to just be in a room like, grr, 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 and he was just sitting there staring at me. I didn't want that. And so I couldn't wait. The next day, I'm like, all right, time for you to go home. I dropped him off. Then on my drive home, I was like, all right. I closed the door. I was like, finally, we're alone, God. Finally, we're alone. And then I just began to let the Holy Spirit pray through me in a supernatural prayer language for the first, like, for the second time, because the first time was the night before. And I just remember driving home, and as I, as I was praying like this, all of a sudden, my car was filled. I was baptized. My car was filled with the Holy Spirit, and I can feel his presence on me so strong that my whole body just turned numb, and I couldn't even drive straight. I was drunk driving. I was under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And I was like, i got to pull over. And I, <laughs> when the Holy Spirit comes upon me, if you like really strong, you'll know because my hands do this. My hands do this because they become completely numb and they do this. And so I was driving. <laughs> One time I was in a meeting and I was praying for people. The Holy Spirit just came on me so strong. I was laying hands like, bam. Anyways, I pulled over and I was just like, God, uh, you're here. And it was just, that was my first, that was my experience with the Holy Spirit, and it wasn't weird anymore, because I know for some people it is weird, and you might think, you might be sitting here thinking, that's weird, Pastor Kwok, I don't know, that's weird. But you know what? It might be weird to your human mind, but can I tell you, when you're a disciple of Christ, the things that are biblical slowly become normal, and the things that seem weird become normal. So we're going to read the Bible here, and I'm going to read... Uh, and, and you're going to see that there's a, a second experience after the experience of salvation, and that is to empower you to do the Great Commission. Acts chapter 2, verse 1, says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat on each. They saw, some, they saw something, and one sat on each of them. And the Bible says they were all filled. How many of them were filled? All of them were filled. I looked up that word all in the Greek in the Bible here, in, the, in all, and it's, it was crazy because when I looked up all, it literally means all. 
They all were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak with other tongues. Now on this day, there were people from all sorts of nations. They had gathered together. They spoke different languages and the tongues on this day, because the Bible actually talks about varieties of tongues. There's actually different types of tongues, which that's a whole other teaching. I don't have time to go into that. But they, they, begin to, they begin to speak the languages of those that were in town. That's like, let's say I'm here, and y'all know that I'm not Chinese, I'm Vietnamese, but let's say I started going off in tongues, and I started speaking Mandarin, and you guys were like, oh my gosh, he's doing it. <laughs> Finally, after all these years, he's doing it. Right? It's a miracle, and so that's what's happening here, which most of you guys know the story, and I don't, I'm not, when I got arrested and was thrown in jail and began to speak another language, no, I don't have time to tell it. I got a rush every Saturday. And some youth are, I'll, I'll tell it in the youth group next time. You, you guys, what, what, I've heard. But this is the tongue, a supernatural language you've never heard before. And sometimes it's an earthly language that you have heard before. And this is what happens here. And everyone thinks that they're drunk and crazy. Like, these guys are drunk. Some of them are like, oh, my gosh, we hear them speaking in our own language and, and talking about the glorifying God. And others are like, they're drunk. They're drunk. What does a drunk person look like? They stumble. Let's talk about, let's talk about drinking for a second. They stumble, they fall. They say things they normally wouldn't say. Sometimes they slur their words. They do things they normally wouldn't do. They kiss people they normally wouldn't kiss. We call them drunk goggles. You don't drive good. You don't talk good. You don't. The Bible says, do not be drunk with wine. It doesn't say you can't drink wine. It says don't be drunk with wine. I have a, my personal rule is one and I'm done. I'll have one margarita and I'm done. I have friends that don't even drink at all. Right? That's only with like alcohol. It's not, I don't like take one hit of weed and I'm done. I don't do that. <laughs> oh, that's that guy. <laughs> Pastor Quark. God delivered me from that. Anyways, so the Bible in Ephesians says, do not be drunk with wine. Instead, it says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you actually read where it says, if you can read Greek, it doesn't just say be filled with the Holy Spirit. It says be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. I can't read Greek, but someone who could read Greek told me that. It says be continually. So instead of drinking, and getting drunk because, oh, and I've heard people say this. I've heard, oh, I've had such a hard day. I gotta get a, can't wait to get a drink. Oh, I need some courage. I'm going to get a drink. I'm going to call a girl. I'm going to get a drink. I need to preach the gospel. <laughs> I'm going to talk in front of all sorts of people. I'm going to get a drink. Do not be drunk with the wine. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because here's what happens when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You are empowered. You will say things. You, have, you are under the influence of something else. And I, I'm not the one that made the comparison. Paul, Paul, I think Paul, he, yeah. 
You're under the influence. Some people call alcohol liquid courage. Can I tell you, real boldness comes from the Holy Ghost. Amen. Some people have drunk goggles. They, they look at someone that they normally would be like, nah, I don't think so. But they're like, yeah, I think so. <laughs> but what happens when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you can look at someone who's hard to love. Most people look at them and go, oh, not that one. They're such a dirty sinner. But when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you look at them and you don't see the sin. You see the person. You see the value. You see the preciousness because you see them through Holy Spirit goggles. And normally because of your biases or maybe your religiousness or your politics, you look at them and be like, Bleh. When the Holy Ghost comes upon them and you look at them and they could be like totally opposite of who you are, completely believe opposite of who you are, but you, instead of seeing, you see value. That is the power of the Holy Spirit when it comes upon a believer. That's why we need God. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. He elevates us. He elevates. That's why I, I need to continually be filled. I'm, I always want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm always seeking more. The Bible says continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. So they drunk they thought they were drunk so what happens is peter says this in in, in acts chapter 2 verse 15 for these are not drunk as you suppose they're just filled with the holy ghost if i was in a black church right when i said that someone on the keyboard would but this is the Chinese church, so that didn't happen. <laughs> Instead, everyone's like, yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm, not being, I'm half Chinese, so I can say these things. He didn't say we're, he didn't say they were not drunk as you suppose. Instead, they're filled with the Holy Ghost. He said this. He said, these are not drunk as you suppose since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit and on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. It's when the, he says, in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit in on all flesh. And then he goes, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. That means you don't have to be a prophet to prophesy. You just need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to prophesy? It means to speak with the influence and inspiration of God. It means that you can speak with the influence and inspiration of God when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And, and here's the deal. It's not just tongues. In the Holy Spirit, it's not about, just about tongues. It's about, you can speak it in English, in Mandarin, in Cantonese, in 
Vietnamese, whatever, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and gives you inspiration of speech. But not just inspiration of speech. He gives you inspiration to whatever you're serving in, to, to, you can do. If, if you're on a, a musical instrument, you, when he comes upon you, there's Holy Ghost playing. If you're a singer, there's Holy Ghost prophetic singing. If you're an usher, you're ushing. I know it sounds funny, but it's real. I believe it. I remember I used to do drama, like I used to act. I could have been a movie star. I, I, I used to do drama, and I remember one time we were doing this skit. It was like my first time like going in front of people to do a skit, like, and I was doing it, and all of a sudden I, I turned around, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit came upon me, and I could have won an Oscar. <laughs> well, maybe, I don't know. Maybe it was horrible, but he just came upon me, and people still got delivered with horrible acting. I don't know. But when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, there's the influence and inspiration of God to that in that whatever you're doing in the moment for the Lord, he is on you. And it doesn't have to be something even in this building. Like I said a couple weeks ago, and this is probably a bad thing to say on serving, you guys are doing serving and you're going to sign up for serving in a couple of weeks. But like I said a couple of weeks ago, you don't have to be on the dream team to fulfill your destiny. Amen. It doesn't mean you shouldn't be on the dream team. Sign up. Serve. Right? But then some people, maybe that's not what you're supposed to. But whatever you're, whether you're serving here or serving out, the Holy Spirit enables you. And serving here especially too. I don't want to say that, you know, don't sign up because in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon certain people. He came upon kings. He came upon prophets. That's it. Actually, no, that's not it. There was one more group of people he came upon. Kings, prophets. He came upon artisans. Craftsmen, artists, sculptors. Painters, those who worked with gold and wood. He came upon artists. In a season when they were building the things for the tabernacle of God. Meaning that whatever you do to build the house, and we know the house is not the building, the house is the assembly, it's us. But whatever things you do to build the house, the Holy Spirit will come upon you to serve in that Capacity, whether you are doing sound, come on, give it up for the sound people. Woot, woot. Right? My first job in a church, guess what? Sound man. I, I could, I, I'll never forget when the pastor said, Would you like to do sound? It was a small church, so there's only one sound guy. I said, Yes. And I was so honored to do sound. And I wasn't good at it, but I was faithful. I've ushed, I've done usher, I've, I've sat people, I've sat people down. Ushers, they, they seat people down, they, they help, they, 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 they make sure, like uh, we used to also catch people, remember catchers? Because sometimes people actually, you know, when they fall, you want to make sure it's the Holy Ghost, right? Because some people don't fall, they fall because they just see other people fall, so I guess I'll fall. <laughs> don't do that. If you don't fall, then don't fall, just stand there, it's okay. You don't have to fall. It's okay. Right? If it's really, if it's really God, you don't need someone to catch you. But we don't want to get sued, so we have catchers. 
I don't know if I should share this. One time, I was ushering, and the Holy Ghost was all over me because I was anointed to ush. And I was catching, I was like, bam, catching left, right, bam, 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 bam. You got to be anointed. You got to be fast. But there was this one lady, oh, man. She fell on top of me, and I was stuck. <laughs> and so I was just like, I'll just receive her blessing, too. True story. Because I'm a small guy. All the other ushers were laughing. Gosh, I'm wasting all my time. God will pour out his spirit on all flesh. On your, son, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. I say this all the time. God's not just pouring out his spirit on pastors and preachers and those who teach the Bible. Because the work of the gospel mainly has to be done outside of this building. That means that you can have the power of God move anywhere. Amen? You can have the Holy Spirit flow anywhere. The whole world is my altar. The whole world is your altar. God can come into any situation. All right, let's go on. I can do it. I can do it in 10 minutes because the Holy Spirit is upon me. I'm skipping over a lot so I can do it in 10 minutes. Acts chapter 8, verse 12. Acts chapter 8, verse 12. What happens here is Philip preaches in Samaria. He does miracles, signs, and wonders. He casts out demons. And they believe and they get saved. Acts chapter 8, verse 12 says this, but when they believe Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself also believed, and he was baptized. He continued with Philip and was amazed, seeing the miracles and signs which were done. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 8, verse 12 says this. Acts chapter 8, verse 12 says, But when they believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Acts chapter 8, verse 12. The Bible says that they believed and they were baptized. I'm going to ask a question. It's not a trick question. In verse 12, were they saved? Were they born again? If, if right after they were baptized, a tidal wave hit and they all died, would they have made it? To the other side. Were they saved? Not a trick. They were. That is our theology. They believed they were baptized. They believed in Jesus. 
both men and women were baptized. They were saved in verse 12. In verse 17, it says, For as yet he had fallen upon none of them, they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. In verse 12, they were born again, they were saved, they were baptized. In verse 17, the Holy Spirit came upon them. We can see clearly right there that those are two separate occasions. Two different experiences. Born again, filled with the Holy Spirit. Born again, the promise of the Father. Born again, baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the thing about God. God is cool, and he does whatever he wants at any time. There's another story, which I don't have time to read, where Peter is preaching uh, to the house of Cornelius, to his whole household, and, and in the middle of his preaching, the Bible says that they believed, and all of a sudden, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to pray in other tongues before they were even baptized. In one moment, bam! Whoa. So sometimes, God will get you saved and spirit-filled at the same time. In other times, and actually most of the time, it's a second experience. And here's, I'm going to tell you guys Pentecostal doctrine, and then I'm going to tell you guys what I believe, all right? Because I, I come from a Pentecostal, I have a Pentecostal background, I come from a Pentecostal church, and the classic Pentecostal doctrine is the, the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is speaking with other tongues. That is, that is, they say if you don't speak in tongues, you're not baptized with the Holy Spirit. That is classical Pentecostal doctrine. That is what I used to believe. What I believe now is that the sign of the baptism is not speaking in tongues. The sign of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is power. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, that can include speaking in tongues, and I find that most of the time it does include speaking in tongues. And, and here's how I believe. I believe, I believe that tongues, for a personal prayer language, for your personal devotion time, it's available to everyone who is baptized in the Holy Spirit, but not everybody will receive it. Sometimes it's maybe because uh, of the doctrine they taught when they were young or or they just don't believe in it, and so God is not going to be like, well, you got to do this, or else I'm not going to know. No, there's plenty of people who operate in power that don't speak in tongues, and I believe that they are filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit. But I am one who wants as much of God as I can get. The last scripture we're going to read is Acts chapter 19, starting in verse 1. Because I want you to see clearly from the scripture that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a separate experience from when you're born again. And not only that, it is an experience you can have over and over. So Acts chapter 19, verse 1 says, And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth, and Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, this is Paul the Apostle 
who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. This is Paul the Apostle, who, in my opinion, is the greatest theologian that ever lived. This is Paul the Apostle, who God used to write most theology that we have today. Even theology that's so hard to understand that even in the book of Peter, Peter is saying, you know what, the writings of Paul are hard to understand. Have you heard <laughs> Even Peter could. Paul, the greatest theologian that ever lived, said this. Did you, when he came upon some disciples, he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? If Paul, the greatest theologian in the world, said that, then it is theologically sound to say there are some people who become believers and they have not yet received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I know, like, in this day and age, we want everyone to get along and everyone to be united and yay. But this is what the Bible says. And I'm trying to make disciples with my preaching. I'm sorry, did I spit on you? I baptize you. Sorry. This is the first thing he asks them. Paul, this is the very first thing he, he came upon believers, and he asked them, did you receive? This is the first thing he asks them. That means it is important. That means one of the first steps of discipleship is getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. So whenever I lead someone to Christ, me personally, if I lead someone one-on-one, -on -one, this is the next step, right? All right, let's get you filled with the Holy Spirit. Because even Jesus said, go into all the world. But then he said, wait, don't go yet till this happens. A lot of people have gone without it. And that, I, I believe there's power, you know, there's power in the, in the gospel. I used to say it like this, but then I've changed, changed it. I used to say, you know, because it's not like, you, if you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you're saved. Or, or not baptized, you're saved. If you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit, you're already born again. So I used to say it like this. Baptizing, being baptized in the Holy Spirit is you're eating a bowl of pho, but then you don't use the hoisin. Like, what the? Are you... Are you even Vietnamese? <laughs> you don't, you, you eat the bowl of pho without the hoisin. What? And the sriracha. What the? And so I used to make the analogy, you know, it's okay. You can still eat the bowl of pho. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the, the extra. It's the, it's the hoisin and the sriracha. But now my theology has changed. Because you can eat pho without the Sriracha and the hoisin, it's all right. But you're not really Vietnamese. But the way I look at it now is like this. Now, if I can have the worship team come up so we can do communion in a minute. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is, is more like this. It's more like you're eating a bowl of pho and there's no broth. It's just dry. I'm trying to be as nice as I can. But I have to speak the truth in love. 
And I am a man of unity. I, be, I, 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 work, I preach in all types of churches. I, I'm one of to unite with brothers who don't believe everything that I believe as long as you believe the, the, the core that Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, died on the cross for our sins, lived a sinless life. He's the only way, raised from the dead. We, we, I'm down, we down. You're Mark. We down. But having said that, there's a difference. There's a difference between going to a church that believes, that holds this doctrine, and if you're sitting here at River of Life right now, you have to know that one of our core values is renewal in the Holy Spirit. One of the, our, our pillars. Am I right? I make sure I say it right. One of our seven, seven, how many pillars do we have? Four? <laughs> Sorry. I'm on my way out. I forgot all these things. <laughs> one of our four pillars, one, is the renewal in the Holy Spirit. And if you consider this your church and you are sitting in a charismatic, spirit-filled church, and we hold this as one of our core values, especially on the day of Pentecost, is that, the, that we need the Holy Spirit to complete the mission. And so this morning, I'm going to ask everyone to stand, and we're going to pray, and then we're going to take communion. Did it. By the way, I love the core values. Go ahead and do we pat? How do we do it here? All right, I'm going to ask you guys to come forward and take the communion, then take it back, and then we're going to take it together. But you may come. I don't know. In just, so I told you guys it'd be clumsy. As you guys come, I'm just going to talk as you guys speak. So it's not. I do love the the four core values of the church. It's, uh, and I might need some help here. Holy Spirit renewal. Worship. Something in worship, what is it? Francis, can you help me? Global impact. Holy Spirit renewal. Cell church. And praise and worship. So those are our core values here. It's, or, Pillars, I'm sorry, four pillars. Holy Spirit renewal, global church, praise and worship, and cell church. That's what we do. But everything that we do, we need the presence of the Holy Spirit on us. And so when, when we take communion today, I'm gonna, we're going to pray, and we're going to take communion, and then we're going to pray that the Holy Spirit will fill us. And help us. God, there's more of you, Lord. I pray for that wind.
I pray for that wind. I pray for that suddenly. that everybody stand as we take communion together. We're going to take communion and then we're going to pray. Thank you. I almost forgot to get it myself. Before we take this communion right now and before I read these scriptures, I'm just going to ask that you search your hearts and that you would ask for forgiveness for anything that maybe you've walked into or stepped into or you know you shouldn't have and I'm going to also ask that if there's any at this moment if there's anyone that you feel that you hold grudges against I'm going to ask that you begin to release grudges and begin to forgive people before we take this communion just take a moment to do that father we just come and I thank you lord that we have forgiveness of sins because of the lamb of god who was slain for the for the world I thank you that we can come to you just as we are and repent and forgive as we are forgiven. We release grudges. We release people that have done things, said things to us, hurt us, maybe cut us off on the road or just a little remark that we took offense. We just let it go. 1 Corinthians 11, 23 says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. The Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread together. In the same manner... He also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Let's take the cup. Hallelujah. God, I thank you that Christ fulfilled the law. That Jesus fulfilled 
the Ten Commandments, and not only that, the over 2,000 precepts and instructions, every feast, every jot, every tittle, every line, every dot, you lived it all. You fulfilled it because we couldn't. You are the one worthy because we weren't. You fulfilled it. You, you did it for us. And I thank you for that. You are the Lamb of God that was slain for the sins of the world. You did it for us. And now that we can stand before the Father completely forgiven, when, you, when God looks down at us, he does not see sin. He sees Jesus we are under Christ. That is why we cling to you when times get tough. Even when we doubt, that's why we cling. I cling more when I doubt to the one that loves me the most the one that paid the ultimate sacrifice for me, I cling. That is the gospel that we preach. Not a message of condemnation, but a message of salvation. That we can change. That by your grace, you bring us to places in our lives and hearts and minds that in our own strength we never, ever could have made it. That when we look like the ground that could not receive the word, when, we, when people looked at us and thought, them? Not them, I know them. I know the reputation, I know their name, them? Yes, me! Yes, me. Me, you saved me. And if God can save me, and if he can save you, we need the Holy Spirit goggles to look at the world at those that we deem impossible and dirty and disconnected and disqualified. And we need to begin to believe for them. This is why the Holy Spirit comes, not just to give me tickles and make me feel good. Yes, that stuff happens. Not to make me just fall on the ground, have weird things, not for a show, it's for a lost world. And for me to not go out into the world and do what I can is unthinkable after what he's done for me. And that is why I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Not so that my theology can be correct, but for a lost world. I want to be, I want to have the power to influence them into a, their own decision 
for Christ. And so if you want the baptism of the Holy Spirit this morning, whether or not you have received him already or your first time, then we're just going to say a little prayer, and I'm going to ask that you would open your own mouth and say a prayer. And if, let's say you've never spoken in tongues before. I'm going to just ask God for the power and just begin to pray. And if you already pray in tongues, just go ahead. and You don't have to shout like those Pentecostals did the day I got saved, but just loud enough for your ears to hear as we pray. Let's just receive the Holy Spirit right now. Heavenly Father, we just receive right now of your spirit and of your presence. We receive of you to empower us, some to preach, some to ush, some to in helps, some to plan, some to lead, some to build, some to draw, some to design, some to sing, some to play, some to start businesses, some to go deep into the world. We don't want to do it without your, your influence. We want whatever we do for you, whether in this building or outside of this building in our workplace, we want to do it filled with your spirit so that people who are shackled can be set free so that they can know the real gospel of Jesus, the real good news, so that they know that God is not mad at them and upset at them and they know that God does not hate them, but he loves them. So fill us and use us and flow through us and influence us because we can't do it without you. That's why we want you. Just begin to fill us now. Just where you are, just begin to receive, just begin to drink and receive the promise of the Father. Oh, let him just burn in you his mission. Let him just burn. But I'm not a preacher. You don't got to be a preacher. But I don't talk good. You don't got to talk good. Just let him burn in you his mission. And he'll use you where you are, how you are. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, you'd burn in us your mission. That we would weep over those that are broken, that we would not look at them in disdain and call them names in judgment. But, Lord, that we would weep over their souls, that we would look into their eyes and into their faces and not be condemning. Let us have the heart of Christ that we would not nitpick the little things, that we would not strain the gnat and swallow the camel. I pray that that spirit of tenderness and the spirit of God would be upon us and that we don't even need to understand everything, but we just know that we are being led by the spirit of the living God. Holy Spirit, fill us. Soften our hearts. God is doing a work in your heart. I just, 
He's doing a work in your heart. He's bringing back the joy of your salvation. He's changing your view of humanity. Your view of humanity. We can't be a condemning, judgmental church. We cannot be that. We cannot think that they deserve our condemnation. We cannot think that they deserve our gossip and our hatred. We cannot think that because that was you. That was me. And Christ still saved you. He still saved me. It's a, not this season of judgment. It's a season of mercy and a season of grace. We cannot look at people as issues, as talking points. There are people to love. They are people to love. They are people to love. God, help us to love them. Help us to love each other. Help us to love each other right. Help us to love each other. By this they will know that you are my disciples, by your love for one another. God, I thank you that the walls of separation are coming down, even amongst us. I pray that the walls of separation, that we would see the value in a person that maybe before we did not see their value. And instead of helping them, we pushed them down and made it worse. God, I pray that you'd forgive even me, the preacher, when I have done these things, even recently. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I thank you, God, for doing a good thing. Love you guys. I'll be here till the end of the month. Then I gotta follow the wind. So uh, let's just go out with a song. God is good. Amen.